This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh Business Blog. To learn more, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu slash news. Welcome. I'm Jack Croft, host of the Illuminate podcast for Lehigh University's College of Business. Today is January 18th, 2020, and we're talking with Eric Fang about digital transformation and the new Center for Digital Marketing Strategy and Analytics he is launching at Lehigh. Dr. Fang is a professor of marketing and the Iacocca Chair of Marketing. He is also the founding director of the Center for Digital Marketing Strategy and Analytics. His research focuses on digital marketing strategy and data-rich environments and international business. His research includes online community, user-generated content, online advertising, digital customization, and online platform strategy. Welcome, Dr. Fang. Thank you. The COVID-19 global pandemic has had a profound effect on business from an international to a local level, making digital strategy a top priority for companies across the board. What are just a few of the most significant trends you've seen over the past year? Uh, thank you. I mean, Jack, first of all, I mean, thank you for inviting me. It's truly my great pleasure to be able to uh, talk to the audience about the research that uh, I'm working on and the impact. Um, uh, I hope that my research can help the businesses, particularly during this uh, COVID-19, this very unusual uh, period of, of time. Mm -hmm. um, yes, I mean, indeed, let's think about it. Just maybe just an, a year ago, it's hard for us to imagine that we'll be talking uh, this way, right? Uh, on Zoom, right? But now, right. yeah, now, I mean, I suppose, I mean, um, we are all getting really comfortable by talking, by meeting people on um, this digital platform, which is Zoom and other platforms. So uh, indeed, COVID-19 has uh, fundamentally changed the way businesses think about their digital strategy. Uh, for lack of better words, I think uh, businesses are forced into embracing digital transformation in three fundamental ways. Uh, number one, uh, businesses are embracing digital tools to enhance worker productivity. Because of the social distancing policy, many firms, they are really adopting uh, work at home uh, policy. So that forced businesses to really um, uh, embrace uh, digital tools um, to enhance their worker uh, productivity. That's one trend we are seeing. The second, uh, the second trend we are seeing that is that businesses, they are increasingly developing new tools to engage not just with their employees, but more importantly, with their customers. So we are seeing some very interesting business models adopted by McDonald's, by Starbucks, et cetera. It's called order online, you pick up on the curbside. So uh, because of this COVID-19, many of the restaurants, many of the service outlets, they have to close their, uh, their doors. They cannot really host uh, customers. So they have to use the digital ways to engage uh, their customers, right? right? So that's the second trend um, uh, we are seeing. The third trend we are seeing is really on the supply chain side. 
Okay. So from the consumer standpoint, that's not really visible. Just we go to the store. Okay. We, we pick up something, we book something online. We don't really pay attention to the supply side, supply chain side. But actually what is dramatically changing is because of the COVID-19, the global supply chain got uh, really hit, uh, hit really, really hard. So businesses now, they have to communicate with their suppliers more and more through digital tools. So digital become a collaborative tool between businesses and the suppliers. So what we are seeing, there are three fundamental ways, okay, businesses are quote unquote forced into uh, adopting uh, digital uh, tools, if you will. Number one is to improve or at least maintain their worker or employee productivity with the social distancing, with this work at home policy. Number two is really to engage uh, with their customers uh, on a variety of different forms of digital platforms or digital tools. Number three is really push businesses to engage with their suppliers in this particularly interconnected global supply chain, which has been very heavily hit by COVID-19. In the introduction, you know, we, I had mentioned that your, a lot of your research is focused on digital marketing in a data-rich environment. And we certainly are, are in a probably the you know, data-richest environment we've ever yeah. been in. Mm-hmm. And that seems like a good place to, to start. Mm-hmm. Um, by 2018, seven of the 10 largest global companies were based on platform business models. So how has data driven this revolutionary change in global business? Uh, Jack, that's that's a terrific question. Uh, yes, I mean, if you look at the top 10 uh, companies on the, on the uh, Fortune 500 list, seven of them, they are actually, we call it data uh, companies. Hmm. Uh, Apple, Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebook, uh, Tencent, uh, Alibaba, the later two being um, companies from China. If you look at those seven companies, there are three common attributes um, they occupy. Number one, all those companies, they have massive data about their customers. Um, number two, they're all based on some type of, we call it platform model. Number three, they are all based on building what we call connections. The connections between customers, the connections between customers and the servers, and the connections between customers and information. So if you will, I mean, I think those are the three common attributes, um, those top seven uh, companies they all occupy. In addition to that, we are seeing Netflix, we are seeing Disney, we are seeing Zoom, I mean, we are seeing Tesla, all those companies, they have those three common attributes, massive data, building a platform, and really to engage connections. Mm-hmm. Okay, customer-customer connection, customer service connection, and customer information connection. So those are the th- common themes. What power does data give them? That's really the key question. I mean, of course there is dark side of data, but probably we'll talk about it in a minute. Mm-hmm. So what power does data give those companies? Okay, 
I think there are three things data provides businesses. Number one, data gives those companies massive insights into customers that has been unimaginable 20 years ago. Data gives the businesses a weaponry to know their customers okay, at a much faster pace and a much deeper level. Think about our personal example. When we go to Netflix, Netflix do that called personal recommendations. Netflix is going to recommend the movies, Jack, you may like. Mm-hmm. When we go to Amazon, Amazon knows what product we have purchased and Amazon makes predictions about what other products we may like. So think about that. Without data, it's almost inconceivable to think about businesses have that deep insight into consumers. So that's the first thing, I mean, data, the power that provided by the data, which is deep understanding of the consumers. Right. Number two is data provide businesses a tool to build connections. Think about example about Facebook. Facebook use consumer data to build social media website, building connections among consumers. So that increased consumers, we call it loyalty or stickness. All your friends are on Facebook. So that builds your habit. You have to be on Facebook to get connected with your consumers. That's the first connection. Second connection, as I briefly talked about, let's think about Google. Massive data, Google build connections between consumers and information. Anytime you search something, Google leads you to that information that you may need in less than, um, right, less than a second. So that's the second one. The third one is data gives you the tool to build connections between customers and the servers. Think about Airbnb. Hmm. Think about Uber, right? Airbnb connect you not with just a typical hotel chains. Airbnb connect connect you with maybe a landlord in Spain who happens to have a spare bedroom to rent out. That's a service. But think about 20 years ago, that's inconceivable. Without data, there is no way, right? Uber can connect you with a service provider that may be in Spain, that may be in Korea, that may be in UK. So that's the second power provided by the data. Data allow business to build massive connections. Mm. Number three, data gives the firms tools to really improve their efficiency, to really improve their efficiency. Think about Uber as an example. Uber is trying to replace the traditional cab servers. Think about the traditional cab servers. There is a lot of, there is a high level of inefficiency in cab servers. Why? We as passenger, let's say you go to Chicago or you go to New York City, you are trying to call a cab. What do you do? You either pick up the phone 
and call the 1-800 number to call a cab, or you wait on the curbside to wait for a cab to come and you wave. There are a lot of time you're waiting. There are a lot of time that's being wasted. Think about a cab. If you are, imagine if you're a cab driver, how do you get a passenger? You either wait for, for, the, for the call center to call you saying that you've got to pick up a passenger at a certain location, or you just drive around the street hoping to see a passenger. There is a lot of, we call it matching inefficiency. Match passenger and cab driver with Uber, with what do we call LBS, called location-based service. That's massive data. Uber is, is able to match cab driver and the passenger in a very efficient way. So to sum it up, in a more generic or general term, there are three things provided. There are three things, um, the power provided by data, okay? Number one is, as I said, deep insight into consumers. Number two is called broad connections with other customers, with services, and with information. Number three is really to improve the inefficiency uh, of a business operation. Right. So that that lays out, I think, pretty pretty well the the benefits for both companies, uh, marketers certainly, and uh, consumers um, with this explosion in data. The flip side is is you had mentioned the the dark side of data. And what are some of the, the main concerns raised by so much data being collected and, and companies knowing so much about their customers now? Uh, Jack, that's a, that's a terrific question. Uh, of course, I mean, uh, the dark side of data has received a lot of publicity recently, uh, mm -hmm. particularly um, about those big tech firms, right? Um, about the massive data they, uh, they occupy. I mean, right, the names I just, I mean, uh, listed. Uh, in, in generic speaking, um, we kind of see like three dark sides uh, of data uh, uh, really being controlled by those selected few big tech firms. Uh, the first dark side is everybody is, um, um, uh, is talking about this is called a new norm or new form of monopoly, right? Mm -hmm. uh, monopoly that's um, the traditional the traditional form of a monopoly is based on some technology or is based on some capital or is based on your huge market size, etc. But new form of a monopoly is really driven by data. So that's one dark side. Think about the examples I just give you. Um, uh, the Google, the Facebook example. Um, I'm not in the position to say whether they have the monopoly power or not. That's not the position I'm taking. Um, but we have to look at in a, in a business, from the business standpoint, think about that with massive data, Facebook and Google occupies, they, as I mentioned, they got to understand consumers better. The product or the service they provide, okay, can better fit with consumers' idiosyncratic needs. 
As a result, they gradually build up consumers' habit. So that's a new form of monopoly. So it makes consumers very hard to leave their platform. So that's mm -hmm. power of monopoly. So think about Google as an example. Do we have alternative option? Of course we do, right? We have competitors. You don't have to use Google. You can use other right, players in the same industry. But why Google still have, has the majority of the market share? Many people say 85% or 90% of the market share in the search market is because the huge data Google occupies. As a result, the search engine result tends to be more accurate from Google, right? Facebook is another example. Facebook, you can, of course, you don't have to use Facebook, right? You can leave. But think about it. If you leave Facebook, all your friends are on Facebook, okay, or Instagram. So if you leave Facebook, you leave that social environment. You leave that digital social environment. That makes it very hard to leave. So that's one dark side, if you quote unquote, that's called the new form of monopoly. The second, of course, is many consumers are getting increasingly concerned about the privacy issue. Mm -hmm. it, the flip side of the same coin. On one side, massive data provides businesses the power to uh, recommend right, uh, products that we may like. That's good side. But of course, there is perception of intrusiveness or perception of privacy infringement, right? So for example, I mean, if you buy something on Amazon and Amazon instantaneously recommends something to you, people, some consumers, including me, sometimes get a little bit uncomfortable. Sometimes I receive a, a notification from Amazon saying that we just launched this new product, you may like it. I mean, why? So sometimes consumers get a little bit offended. So that's of course the privacy issue. Mm -hmm. So the third issue, the third dark side of data, which is a little bit um, uh, uh, kind of like counterintuitive is we call it algorithm driven tunnel vision. It's called algorithm driven tunnel vision. What I mean by that is instant, I mean, more and more often, we particularly with those kind of like news feed. I mean, news feed is a new form of getting information. Best example would be Twitter. Consumers go on Twitter to search for information. Okay, or you go to the newsfeed and like Google to get, get more information. You go to Facebook to get more information. There is an algorithm embedded in those apps, applications, that they will recommend the news that they think that you are like. Mm -hmm. As a result, consumers are less likely to get very diversified information. Rather, consumers will all will get information the algorithm knows the consumers were like. So in other words, they will feed you the information that you are like. So we know that's not a healthy uh, way of absorbing information. The healthy way of, of absorbing information should be the way that we get different perspectives, even sometimes conflicting perspectives. That's healthy debate is about, that's healthy learning is about. Imagine a world you are only feeded, you being consumers are only feeded with, inf with information 
that they, they like, that's going to strengthen whatever view they already have. Does that make sense? Yeah. So this for the algorithm-driven tunnel vision. That explains part, that at least partially explains why the United States, the political views of the Americans become so polarized. Social media plays a role in that. If you are right. a Republican, they will always feed you with conservative views. That strengthens your, your political view. In contrast, your Democrats, they will always feed you with liberal viewpoints. That strengthens your liberal, uh, liberal polit political views. Mm -hmm. So those are the three things I see as emerging, if you will, quote unquote, dangers of big techs having massive data. The new form of monopoly, the infringement of consumers' privacy, and the tunnel vision driven by this algorithm-based news feed. Mm -hmm. Does that now, answer? Yeah, yeah it, it strikes me as you were talking yeah. about the um, algorithm-driven tunnel vision. Yeah, um, you've also talked in the past about um, how we've how our economy has moved from being product-centric to customer-centric, mm -hmm. and you've said we now live in the age of the customer. And as I was listening to you talk through that, it struck me that, you know, you can make the argument, I think, that these companies, you know, Facebook and and Twitter, their explanation is they're giving the customer what they want mm -hmm. and not what they don't want. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're serving their customers. And, you know, whereas once... I think, you know, particularly with news organizations, um, and you know, I worked in newspapers for two decades, um, mm -hmm. the, the sense of pride was in putting out a great product, <laughs> you know, a great newspaper with mm -hmm. news, unbiased, mm -hmm. you know, as much exactly. as possible. Um, and now, you know, you can see that that whole philosophy is, well, what do people want? That's what we're going to give them. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, Jack, I mean, that's an excellent point. Yes, I mean, we call it unbiased news. Unbiased is really in the eyes of beholders, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you like it, you think it's unbiased. <laughs> um, that's one way to put it. But I mean, on a more serious note, uh, Jack, the way I, I would like to put it, yes, it's customer centric. I think we are moving to the customer centric. But there are two different types of, I mean, let's use an analogy. There are two different types of love. One is called mom's love. Why it's called dad's love, okay? okay? The new feed or the tunnel vision, the algorithm-based tunnel vision, I think is more like a mom's love. My son is nine years old, right? And my, I mean, my wife and I, we have different philosophy, right? <laughs> my wife is called more like a mom's love, always gives the son whatever he likes. Dad's love is more like tough love, right? I only give my son, which I think is better for him. Is not what he wants, is what I think is good for him. So there is a fine balance. If we only give consumers whatever they like or whatever they think they like, okay? Mm -hmm. I think that goes too far. Okay, we have to balance, balance to meet consumers' needs. That's one thing. 
and also to tell them the truth. Does it make sense? I think yes. there is a fine balance between the two. It's not like we we just sugarcoat everything. We give consumers whatever they like. Okay, make them feel comfortable. Yes, for the time being, right? But they are only going to be living in the bubble which they feel, which they like to hear. Only get the message they like to hear. That's not the healthy conversation our society needs. I don't think that's a healthy conversation, right? The whole right. country. Now, another term we've heard a lot about lately, and you mentioned it uh, toward the beginning, was is digital transformation. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a term a lot of people hear and perhaps even use, but may not fully understand what mm-hmm. what what that is referring to. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I think that part of that is because the definition is a little bit fluid. But mm-hmm. um, what what is your idea of what digital transformation is? And what effect is it having on business now? Oh, that's uh, that's a big question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think uh, there are different levels, different layers of digital transformation, right? I mean, uh, let's go from the technical level to really the strategic level, right? Okay. So from the technical level, digital transformation simply basically uh, means um, using digital tools, to enhance the productivity of employees within our organization, right? That's a simple way. So we can say Zoom, right? I mean, adopting Zoom, that's part of the digital transformation, right? Uh, Using digital collaborative tools, use uh, software as service called SaaS, S-A-A-S. So um, embracing this IT infrastructure uh, so that's the tactical way that's we call it digital transformation. But really, that's really the basic way. So that's uh, uh, really that's one label. So on top of that, we call it digital transformation from the strategic standpoint. It goes beyond the simple adoption of digital tools for the enhancement of productivity purpose. So it really involves the whole strategic change across the whole organization, okay? To to move into the digital era. So I see two strategic changes empowered by by data and, uh, and digital tools. The first is we are seeing the US economy with the help of digital tools is increasingly moving from the product-based into service-based, okay? Mm-hmm. So let's use Tesla as an example, okay? Tesla, unlike traditional auto manufacturer, traditional auto manufacturer, they make their profit by based on the autos they sell. Tesla, okay, um, the, the revenue model will be to a large extent based on its service, okay? Tesla is just a moving, a gigantic moving iPad. Okay, (laughs) Tesla, the car is a digital tool. Okay, with big iPad, right? Mm -hmm. With uh, autopilot, uh, autopilot driving, etc. So Tesla's business business model will be based not just on selling Tesla, but all all, or on these um, all those kind of service based uh, items. So that's one strategy change we are seeing. 
The second strategic change we are seeing is, uh, is really moving into this custom nation. Traditionally, the U.S. economy is based on, from the marketing standpoint, is based on this called segmentation. Okay, I want to develop a cell phone to, um, to target the audience, which is age between 25 to 35, et cetera, okay? Mm -hmm. But in the future, we are seeing that trend happening. That is, it's not just going to be for us. It's just going to be for me. American consumers want product and services just for me, which is called digital customization. So on the strategic level, we are seeing digital transformation reflected in two strategic uh, changes. One being reflected in the service transformation, the second uh, being reflected in the uh, customization. Make sense? Yes. So that's the second level. Really at the top level, digital transformation means building an ecosystem. Not just you, your firm as a separate identity, is building an ecosystem to provide value to the consumers. What I mean by that, let's think about examples like Uber. Let's think about examples like Facebook. Like let's, let's think about WeChat coming from China. Using data, they build massive connections with third-party vendors, okay? Yeah. Uh, as a result, they can provide better services, better products, and better solutions to business and the consumers, business users and the consumers. So actually, there are three different levels when we are talking about the digital transformation. The basic level is to the adoption of digital tools, including IT infrastructure. The second level is organization level transformation reflected in service transformation and customization. And really the top level is to build an industry-wide ecosystem to connect with stakeholders in order to provide solutions to the consumers. Those are the three labels of digital transformation I'm seeing. That certainly sets the stage. And, and I think in a sense, everything we've talked about so far today mm -hmm. provides context for the new Center for Digital Marketing Strategy and Analytics that mm -hmm. you're launching in Lehigh's College of Business. So um, before we run out of time here today, I would like to talk about what your vision for the center is. Jack, that's, that's a good question. I mean, uh, that's, uh, I really want to get some get message across about the way I think about this center. First of all, it's really not my center per se, it's really the college center. Uh, right. So I'm just helping to, uh, to run the center. So that's part of the reason I, um, I, I, I decided to join Lehigh and I really appreciate the support from the Dean Georgette and uh, the whole marketing department um, uh, to buy into this, uh, into this idea. Uh, so um, so I, 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 I mean, the way I think about this center is really, I, I, uh, I want this center to serve three fundamental roles. As we are seeing, as I mentioned previously, as we are seeing uh, American businesses is really moving into the digital transformation. I have to say accelerated uh, by this COVID-19 and that right. momentum will continue even after the COVID-19 is over. 
we are clearly seeing that uh, that being happening. So we envision the center to serve three different roles. Number one is uh, we want the center to be uh, to help research to help research in this whole domain. So research really is, a, um, if you will, is a lifeblood uh, for any um, anything that's built upon that. So we want to help young scholars to build their richest dream uh, alongside the, uh, the the quote unquote big domain of, of data. So that's that's the first role. The second role is um, is really the teaching side. So the center is uh, we're going to work with the executive education center. So uh, we are planning uh, several executive training programs uh, around big data and uh, around digital marketing, uh, etc. So those are the I mean that's the second row. I think the third row, which is probably at the end of the day will be the most important role, is its outreach. So we want the center to be a hub uh, to connect um, the Lehigh research and teaching with, uh, with businesses, particularly those businesses who are, who are uh, kind of like feeding the urgency uh, to, uh, to do digital transformation across a variety of different industries. So we are already in the dialogue with um, uh, some businesses in the Lehigh Valley area and also in the greater Philly area uh, in pharmaceutical, uh, in financial service, et cetera. So we are thinking about building some type of like a coalition to uh, connect businesses, academia in really working on some questions that it of managerial importance to the businesses but also it, had, it can enhance our faculty research. So those are the three things I, I more or less envision the center to have. Mm-hmm. Research being um, the foundation, teaching being the way we're going to provide, the service we're going to provide to the, to the relative stakeholders and outreach uh, to build a brand, um, to connect businesses with, I mean, academia, I think that's really the core mission. Well, thank you so much. There's a lot more we could talk about. And uh, as this all progresses, we'll have to have you back and talk about some of those things that we didn't have time to get to today. But thank you, Dr. Fang. You've been a fascinating guest. I mean, let me know if I can, what else I can do for you. Great. It's uh, it's truly my great pleasure. I'd like to once again, thank Dr. Fang for being with us on Illuminate today. Dr. Fang has published more than 30 articles in leading marketing and management journals, including Journal of Marketing, Journal of Marketing Research, Marketing Science, MIS Quarterly, Organization Science, and Journal of International Business Studies. This podcast is brought to you by Illuminate, the Lehigh Business Blog. To hear more podcasts featuring Lehigh business thought leaders, please visit us at business.lehigh.edu slash news. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Lehigh Business. I'm Jack Croft, host of the Illuminate podcast. Thanks for listening.